0: The free for all roundtable.
1: Round two. On round two today, let's say good morning to Toronto lawyer Karima Sad. Tim Hudak is the former leader of Ontario's Conservatives, now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. And airline industry expert John Tory Jr. is here. Good morning to y'all. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, and John Tory Jr., I understood you had a question for me.
0: I, I heard that I might be related to a former LG of Ontario I'm curious who
1: that is okay you're gonna have to text your dad about that I just it's a <laughs> very distant memory but I remember something like it was in the 1800s but there was uh, one of your ancestors was lieutenant governor so I guess it's in the family you would have oh thought I think
0: there's, there's one in Nova that. Scotia but but not Ontario Nova Scotia there is one named uh, Robert Tory if I'm not mistaken but not Ontario
1: all right well I will I will yield to the authority of the gentleman from Tory um, <laughs> Let's begin with um, the TTC budget and raising fares on the TTC. Tim Hudak, it's a modest raise to fares, but it has to be borne in mind that there's not a lot of elasticity. And a lot of people a long time ago reached a point when it came to fares on the TTC where it was cheaper to lease a car.
2: Yeah, and look, uh, the, the price has been frozen for fares for a good number of years, so it's actually cheaper with the impact of inflation than than it was a number of years ago, even with the $0.10 cent increase. The part I wanted to focus on here, though, John, is I think that John Tory has a very strong start to the year. Maybe right? tempting as a third-term mayor maybe to sit back in their laurels a little bit, but the opposite. Like, very aggressive on the housing file, which, of course, I liked a lot for more homes people could afford. I really liked the announcement yesterday in hiring more cops, more, more fees more boots on the street and what i liked about this was hiring i think it would be up to 100 more special constables for security on the subways 50 positions that are vacant shocking that they were actually vacant and 50 new ones i think the biggest issue of the ttc is not the fare box right now it's the the safety concerns that we have where people are afraid to get on the ttc because the homeless system has now spilled over into public transit
1: okay karima said your thoughts on this one I have to disagree
3: with that analysis. Um, I, I think that allocating additional money for special constables—they don't have the best track record when it comes with when it comes to dealing with the actual users of the TTC. And I, I, my concern with having a price increase is that this is going to be borne in large part by people who can least afford it. And it creates incentives to not use public transit and it has these negative spillovers. So I I appreciate the instinct that more police, more officers means more safety, but that has never actually come to pass. And dealing with the determinants of of crime uh, and in, in particular homelessness in the city that's where the focus needs to be and i think as much support as can be given to the users who take the tdc to get to work to get to school uh, they they don't have the the extra uh, resources, I think, um, even for a modest fare increase, that that adds up over time.
1: Okay, let's stay with how people get around, but instead of at street level and underground in the skies, Jugmeet Singh says we need more competition in the airline industry. And since you're the local airline expert or air travel expert, John Tory Jr., what do you say? Because it's not just as e- it, it's not an easy thing to create competition in that in- industry.
0: It's not easy to create competition. It's a very, very capital-intense industry where you have to, you know, if you want to compete with established players, you have to raise hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars to support a fleet and establishing an operation, then you have to chisel your way in to large hubs uh, like Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver that are expensive and that, you know, many carriers from around the world want to establish themselves at, not just for local service, but also for international service. And, you know, gate a gate. To gate. So you, whether you want to fly between, say, Toronto and Ottawa or you want to fly between Toronto and Egypt, you have to compete for that same gate with a carrier that might have deeper pockets. Uh, and I noticed there's a... There's a theme in the in some of the uh, articles that have been going around about this that say, for example, that they some people in the government want foreign players to come in in order to increase domestic service. And I can tell you straight up that a foreign player like a Delta Airlines is not interested in coming in and flying between uh, Saskatoon and Medicine Hat. They're interested in coming in and adding into the routes that are already deeply saturated and well-served. So we need to take a look at how we structure service internally in Canada. And the, I don't want to use the word requirements, but perhaps some of the uh, fares
1: and route structures
0: that we encourage carriers here to serve.
1: Tim Hudak, everybody wants to fly for less, but in my own personal experience, I always got burned by discount airlines, so I gave up on them.
2: Well, I guess they're always a roll of the dice, but doesn't it seem like it's it's getting worse? This this strikes me as a, a case that surely, to goodness, something must be done and can be done when it comes to our our air service. And my hats off to uh, Jugmeat, saying the New Democrats for putting this um, on the table. It's not something you know encouraging more competition that you typically hear from New Democrats. So I'd like to see more conservative leadership on this at a national level. But but look, the, the airlines are giving poor service because number one, they can get away with it. I suspect there is a very very... very heavy regulatory burden that drives up costs. Uh, John Tory just walked through some of the costs of getting into the business, but God, something must be, possible here to give us a bit more choice and to hold them accountable. I also like the New Democrats pushing for parliamentary hearings. One of my favorite presidents, Theodore Roosevelt, always talked about the bully pulpit, putting pressure on corporations, embarrassing them if necessary, hauling them before a committee. I'd like to see that done in grocery, and I'd like to see that done in airlines.
1: Does Canada have a problem with uh, nepotism when it comes to politics? Karima said, I think it's more almost out of a soap opera-oriented approach to things that people are curious about. The children of, you know, accomplished individuals, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they deserve elected office.
3: I I agree. Um, I think that there are some reasons why it's not surprising to see um, kind of lineages emerge in politics. Uh, Part of that having to do with class, obviously, Um, but also the fact of growing up in that environment might make someone more inclined or interested. Uh, I would say Canada has a nepotism problem not just in politics, but in law, in journalism, uh, in all sorts of fields, uh, professional fields, um, where you see things passed down and, and it's not really a meritocracy. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't have a, a solution for this necessarily, um, but but recognizing that it is a phenomenon um, and... Not being so tied to the idea that we can't look at, you know, a politician's family when they're in the same arena, um, that, that's probably a start.
1: Okay. I mean, Tim Hudak, sometimes it works out perfectly well. I mean, it all depends on your views of Justin Trudeau as the son of Pierre Trudeau. But then you get to Peter McKay, who's the son of Elmer McKay, and both of them served with, uh, you know, with effectiveness. Yeah.
2: Look, I think there are two um, two main reasons for this. Uh, it, number one is there, there's no school for this, right? You don't go to college and go to university to learn how to become an MP or an MPP or mayor. The the best way you learn about this is around the kitchen table. So it's a perfectly natural connection if your mum or dad is in the business. Um, my mom was actually a town councilor in in Stevensville, in the town of Fort Erie. My grandfather actually was a, a leader for uh, unions and a big CCF NDP uh, guy in his day, not elected office, but it was really him that inspired me to think about public life and making uh, a difference. Uh, so you you learn sort of from the the natural school and and you get inspired to think about it from a very young age. And then and then secondly, th- there's the brand value of the last name is there. Now you take the good with the bad and. And many politicians' careers end in in loss, and the son or daughter carries that on. But the one thing that always struck me is now six years after I hocked my skates from politics, John, I still get a lot of questions about my daughter's Miller, and mainly people identify with the family. They tend to like them. They're curious about them. That's a natural advantage. You put your hat in the ring to run for
1: public office. Which brings me to John Tory, Jr. Uh, Have you ever or do you ever plan to have political inclinations?
0: I I don't have any plans, but of course, it's one of those, I think, like Tim said, you know, you grow up around the kitchen table and you see your family doing it. And of course, it's a very curious career because politics, elected office, even if you just said elected office, there are so many different levels to it. And you can look at it as somebody who wants to do it. And not just me, but anybody who's, but you've seen it close up, you can find like 10 different ways that you want to give back and do things. And I, so I think there is a certain amount of learned skill that comes from it. But I also certainly would look at, if someone like me were to decide to do something like that, you take the good and the bad that comes with the brand, you know, there's supporters and there are people who are not supporters. So I think that the The mistake that's made is that it seems like a cakewalk. I don't think anybody who's walking into any business or joining up that's doing so on solely on the merits of their predecessor, and that would apply to law or medicine or politics or whatever, where you've met the standard to be there. So getting the votes or getting the education or whatever, I don't think it's necessarily easy. Right. So whether or not it's a problem, I don't know. Is it? Do we have a belief that it happens more in political service than in any other industry? Uh, I don't know. As for me, I know I have no plans right now. I'm. As I always say, I'm enjoying my um, uh, private sector career. And there's another guy who's uh, renting the name right now who's uh, currently in office.
1: I like that uh, two people now have quoted from the theme song for the Facts of Life. Um, One last item, and let me start with Karima on this, because uh, you're uh, one of the younger people that we have on panels. You probably are 100% digital. uh, And people identified what they like and don't like about email, Uh, amongst other things they hate with anything that doesn't begin with a salutation or finish with a name uh also they don't really care about grammar and spelling uh what's your reaction
3: i was surprised at uh, the not caring about grammar and spelling because for me that's that's a little bit of a, a peeve um uh, you know within reason but uh, a, an email is a letter it's a form of communication it's not a text message um so i, I like to see proper structure um I I think response time um, as well that was indicated in this survey, three to six hours for an email, that's not realistic. I don't know how many emails anyone else is getting, Um, but it it can be very much an all-consuming thing.
1: Yeah, and Tim Hudak, I was somewhat surprised by the number of people who say they've been able to get to the bottom of their, (laughs) their inbox.
2: Oh, sure. I think I've got about 5,700 right now to try to get through in, in that respect. Yeah, it's, it's three things here, right? I mean, I mean, emails are a double-edged sword. They can save you a ton of time. But my biggest grievance is they can actually take a long time when you get into a, an extended conversation that can be solved in a 30-second phone call that can take a lot longer when it comes to emails. My, number two on my list is the long email that seems to drag on forever and rambles. And the only thing, I think, worse than that, John, is when you try to replace the um, the soulless nature of emails, with. Uh, no emotion,
1: with emojis and smiley faces and all that stuff, that actually grates on me the most. Thank you all. Good to have you, John Tory Jr., Karima Sad, and Tim Hudak. And yeah, the other thing that drives me crazy that was not included in this survey is when people reply all, and then they start this back, you know, this snapback discussion where everybody's just going on and on. Thanks, I'm working. Catch the round table. round one at 745, round two at 845, weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.